Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of The Money Mitch Effect. I'm your host, as always, Mitch Michaels. Thank you for joining me on the sports podcast. Big episode today. It's the 2018 U.S. Open preview, final tennis major of the year. I talked to my boy Brett Connors about all the action in both the men's and women's draws. On the men's side, Novak Djokovic is the favorite. First U.S. Open since 2016. He's coming in on fire, having won Wimbledon, won Cincinnati. Nadal's nipping at his heels. Federer's there as well. Del Potro's Zverev. We break down all the action in the first couple rounds and make picks what we think is going to happen. On the women's side, it's Serena Williams again, the betting favorite. She's a finalist at Wimbledon. What does she have in store for this U.S. Open? We'll take a look. Halep and Stevens have been playing great. Sloan Stevens has won last year's U.S. Open. Will she defend her title? Who's ready to make some noise on the women's side? Young and old. A big, interesting draw to look at. It's the U.S. Open preview. Brett Connors on the show. Let's start the Money Mitch Effect. All right, time for the final tennis major of the year. Got to preview the U.S. Open on the Money Mitch Effect. On the line to do just that, friend of the show, Brett Connors, Tennis Channel co-worker. BC, what's going on, man? Money, how are you today, sir? I'm doing well, and not only am I doing well, it's it's always fun to talk tennis with you, go over another major. Can't believe we're already at major four out of four of the year. But saw that little tidbit today. I know the U.S. Open's been going on for so long, but it's the 50th anniversary of the Open Era, of the edition of the U.S. Open and the Open Eras, which I thought was kind of cool seeing that it's been this long. There's been so many memories. It's one of the one of the most fun venues. I think it's kind of cool to see where tennis has been and where this tournament is. Yeah, it's kind of been cool to see kind of the progression and growth of tennis, you know, overall over the history of it. But it also kind of reminds you of how... Uh, young sport it is you know like every other sport has this long you know storied history like baseball 100 years and and football a long time and even basketball goes back a long way tennis is kind of relatively almost like a new sport like on the scene compared to some of the other ones so kind of made me think that when i saw 50 you know it did and i do want to point out one other thing as well we talked about how cool it was back in, in the old days the old setup of the u.s open have you seen the new the, what the new I guess layout is for that Louis Armstrong Stadium? Uh, I mean, I remember seeing like an animation, but nothing recently. I haven't seen the new stuff for this year, but um, it should be pretty cool. Yeah, we'll have to see what what the matches look like, but it looks like it's going to be a pretty you know rowdier environment, which I think is kind of nice as well. It looks like it's going to be you know a jam packed you know every seat full noisy arena, which I think that could be kind of cool for that tournament to be a throwback to the days of the past. Yeah, I mean, I think that tournament kind of needs a little bit of that. Like with, uh, I mean, I know Arthur Ashe Stadium is a really nice stadium, but ever since they built that, I feel like it's kind of taken the fans out of it a little bit. They seem like they're really far away from the players and and far away from the court, and it's a, more about luxury boxes and sponsors and that kind of stuff. And if they can do something to bring in kind of the uh, you know the everyday fan, the people who like to go and have a couple beers and cheer on their favorite player and, and scream and shout, I think that's uh, really positive thing for the game and for the tournament well to see i I think it could be a a big a big game changer for that venue the new arena but let's talk about the men's draw first brett and it's been a blast from the past three of the big four djokovic nadal and federer have the majors this year murray's in the tournament so it's possible it's it's a long shot obviously but it's possible that they could just completely sweep the majors again but it is the first time all four of them have played 
in the same major since Wimbledon 2017. And discounting Murray for a second, Brett, they're the three favorites. Djokovic comes in as the betting favorite of this tournament at about 9-4 to four odds, followed by Nadal right on his heel roughly about 5-2. to two. Federer 11-2. Then it starts to drop off. Zverev, Del Potro, Chilich, all under 20-1. to one. And then you see a big dip from there. But it's the same old story. It's the three veterans. Would you say that that's fair, though, that Djokovic should be the favorite given winning Wimbledon and beating Federer in Cincinnati or... Do you think Nadal or, or somebody else should be the favorite? Um, yeah, I guess. I mean, it's so close with him and Nadal. I guess you would want to maybe argue Nadal is the defending champ, and he uh, won Montreal, right? And so, like, yeah. he looked pretty good. And there's no reason to really think he shouldn't be the favorite. But I think, you know, gamblers like, what have you done for me lately? And they see Djokovic winning Wimbledon and then winning Cincinnati and, and beating Federer kind of so soundly in that final. And they're probably like, well, you know. I think he's the favorite. But I think it's it's kind of split. I mean, if I had to choose Joker and Nadal, I'd probably pick Joker. Just because, I, you know, Joker seems like he's probably a better overall hardcore player than Nadal. It's interesting, you know. I Also, with Wawrinka back, too, it's kind of cool. Like, I don't think he's maybe willing to able to win the tournament, but he has started to play a lot better, you know. And he kind of falls off if it goes to three sets because he maybe wear, you know, gets a little tired, doesn't have his his legs under him yet but it's cool to see him back and be cool if he can make a little run yeah i just don't like not that he can't beat him because grigor has been pretty terrible this year but that is a first round match you'd kind of selfishly like to see stance play somebody a little worse so we can kind of ease into the tournament rather than maybe go sure. four or five sets with dimitrov and then you know be a little tired going forward no it seems like whoever wins the match is going to be a little bit tired you know after it so kind of a rough draw for both of them Absolutely. I think part of it being that Nadal, I mean, it is so close between Nadal and Djokovic. I didn't realize that Nadal had never has never really defended a title, uh, other than his French Open titles, obviously, but it hasn't, hadn't defended a major title, won it the following year, which is so tough to do, come back to the U.S. Open and win it again. I do think him taking that Cincinnati off strategically is going to have him feeling fresh, but yeah, it is so close between those two. And I think Federer being 11-2, to a uh, a, a solid third, but kind of a, a step behind those two betting-wise is fair for two reasons. One, he's looked pretty sloppy in the tennis that he's played, but also that is just a brutal section that he's in. This is the first time in a while that I think we can say that it's not a, a very favorable draw for Roger Federer. No, no. I mean, he, but he would get Kyrgios maybe in the third round if Kyrgios can hold it together, and then uh, Joker in the quarters if they both make it, mm-hmm. and then that's to get just to the semis. So... Yeah, it's not a, it doesn't look that great for him. If he comes through, you definitely can say he deserved it. I mean, Chilich at 16 to 1 or whatever it is is solid. Like, he's kind of always just there. You know what I mean? Yeah. He's like lurking and makes semis and pops up, makes the final here and there and slams. And he's got that big serve and a big game that's made for the U.S. Open. So we know he can win it. He won in 14. So. Someone like him is kind of interesting. He kind of just, you know, stays under the radar. And Delpo, I love Delpo. I mean, I'd love to see him make a deep run again like last year. Delpo playing some of the best tennis of his life and, and a pretty favorable Istra, Nadal in the semis, uh, if he could get there. Kevin Anderson, I know he's 33-1, to 1 and it's not the most exciting style, but he's made two of the last four finals of the majors. He made the finals of the U.S. Open last year. So he's going to be at least, at the very least, a tough out for somebody. Yeah, we'll see. yeah, and then also I like I like my man Titsipas, man Stefanos, yeah. 
forty to one. I mean, if you want to take a flyer, there's there's the flyer, man. Like he's been playing good. He somehow is like really good on all surfaces. He didn't even know he was really good on one like four months ago, and now he's like an all around player. So I really like watching him play, man. He's fun to watch, and he's like gets the crowd into it, and he gives you some personality, and he's Greek, so it's cool to see a Greek player doing well. So, yeah, I really like him a lot. Oh, yeah, well, you know that uh, gets me going. But I, I do think he's calm under pressure, too, <laughs> which is kind of cool to see as well in a lot of those moments. And at the Rogers Cup, he was in these tense moments and was able to hold his nerves. Let's look, though, Brett Connors, Money Mitch Effect at the draw and go through some of these sections and just see what we're thinking, starting at the top in the Nadal section. First round, primetime match tomorrow night against David Ferrer, who is going to probably, by all intents and purposes, retire sometime, probably in Madrid next year, finish his career in Spain where he's from. But so crazy to see this be a first-round matchup. Right. Yeah, the two Spanish players kind of almost have the same uh, exact career, like length and everything, but... I think Nadal will probably get him. Maybe goes four sets or something. But it will be cool in that section, I think. Third round, our boy Kachanoff versus Nadal on hard mm. courts would be pretty fun to watch. Yeah, that is. That's one to circle for sure. Obviously, we got to get to a point with some of these young guys where they can consistently make third and fourth rounds. You know, like they're not just getting tripped up. They got to get to that consistency level. Nadal will only lose a set to Ferrer, I think, if he just gives him one <laughs> just out of sympathy. But I think yeah. it's just, I mean, Ferrer just had that career where he just can't, he could not break through the big four. Like, he could get all the way up to the doorstep, but could not beat uh, the next uh, person up. But, yeah, I mean, that's the one to look at. Kachanov's got Ramos, uh, Ramos Vinolis, who's not really a hardcore player. The rest of this section, Kyle Edmund at the bottom, the 16 seed. If he can get to the fourth round, that could be an interesting matchup. And then uh, just the utter disaster of Jack Sock's career. I mean, if he loses to Andrea Andreozzi this this tournament, I mean, he, he hasn't won a major match since last year's, I think, Wimbledon. So we're talking about a full year now that he hasn't won a Grand Slam match. Yeah, it was like 2-4 and four last year, and this year he's like 0-3. Oh and, and it's like, it's not even like he's out there. It's almost pathetic, some of the losses he takes. You just like He's almost just going through the motions or something. And he wins like know. the first set or two. That's the other thing. He gets up in these matches yeah. also. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know, man. Like, it's really weird. It can't say it's surprising, but, like, after all, everybody was jocking him so hard at the end of last year, and he made the final eight, made the semis in London, and, you know, won Paris, and everyone was talking. He's top ten talent for sure now, and then, you know, it's hard to carry all that on. It's easy to sneak up on people. It's harder to, like, you know, do it when everyone expects it all the time, I guess. So, I mean, hopefully he can kind of bounce back because American tennis needs one of their younger guys, you know, to kind of be a little more consistent. You know, Isner's been there a little bit this year, but he's starting to get older, so and all those to to get a- And all those points are going to fall off soon, so he needs to start winning now. Uh, one other note I want to make about this section. Kind of cool to see Casper Ruud back in there, the Norway Norwegian <laughs> player back making the U.S. Open, uh, seeing if he could win a match you know, first or second round. But I do think Nadal, this is not the easiest cakewalk section that there could have been. Catching off in the third, Edmund in the fourth, he's going to be at least mildly tested early. And catching off who you brought up, Brett, he played him tight in Canada in that in that semifinal matchup. That was a tiebreaker set, and I think one break. So, I mean, he's right there. Yeah, and like the, and, and being on hard court, I don't know how the surface is playing, but um, like catching off can get away with more against Nadal. Like Nadal doesn't have quite as much time 
and you know, catching off big shots that he goes for can end points, you know, a little faster than if it was on clay. I think they might have played on clay in in the spring too. But um, yeah, I mean, that would be fun. And then Edmund, we'll see. Like Edmund's kind of sneaky, been solid too. I mean, he's kind of he's the best English player now with Murray having his injuries. See if he can kind of live up to those expectations. A lot of expectations there. Let's go to section two, where. I gotta say, maybe my first, maybe my favorite first round matchup, Brett, the all Canadian battle, Shapovalov and Felix. For sure, that's gonna FAA, be fun. Man, I really like. Yeah, that's gonna be a good one. I expect Shappy to win just because, just because Felix is still, you know, seventeen. He's eighteen years old now, and in the matches that he's played, he's shown a little immaturity down the stretch. And what I mean by that is against good players. Like, he just falters late. So, I think he's going to have every chance in the world to win. Maybe five sets, probably four. But this should be exciting. These guys are shot makers, and they move so well, especially Felix at his age. I think all the tools are there to one day win a Grand Slam. Yeah, I mean, I think both these guys have the potential to win Grand Slams in the future. Maybe not right now, but a few years down the road. Um, mm-hmm. I think the overall, I'd rather probably have uh, FAA's like career arc projection, just because he's like, man, he's like strong and he's physical and, and he's athletic and he moves well and he's probably going to get bigger. I mean, if he's only eighteen, he's probably going to get a little bigger and a little stronger the next couple of years. You can grow to you're like twenty, so yeah, twenty one sometimes. So yeah, I mean, I hope that'd be fun if that went five and was like just some epic, you know, match between those two, and then that became becomes like a rivalry now going forward. You know, how funny would it be to have like two, you know, top whatever ten, fifteen talented Canadian guys going at it for the next decade? So yeah, and neither one of them is uh, Milos, so that'd be kind of cool too. <laughs> Which is a good thing, I think. <laughs> yeah, I'd say so too, and uh, you know, he's getting up there as well, and part of that lost generation you know, that hasn't won sure. Grand Slams, but. Anderson's the sure. five seed. Anderson's the five seed in this section. We we know what he can do in the Grand Slam tournament format. Best of five. He's he's done very well. Team at that nine seed. What what do you think's happened to him? Because he made the French Open final. He's made some runs on clay, but on hard courts especially, the results just have not been there this year. Yeah, grass or hard courts. I don't know. I feel like he probably had a little bit of that success syndrome where like he finally broke through and like made the final of a grand slam. He's made like a semi and a quarter or something before. And it seems like with a lot of young players, man, like that's why these older guys are able to just do so well is like if someone pops up and has a little success, they don't even have to win the tournament. Like just just make the final or a semi. Sometimes they live, they kind of go away. I don't know if they like start partying or they don't train quite as hard or they take some time off to enjoy their success, whatever it is, they kind of will disappear for a while. And you're just like teams, this top eight, seven guy who can only play kind of on one surface. Like it's kind of weird, you know? So I don't know. A lot of retirements in there too. And just fading down the stretch. See if he can bounce back. Stevie Johnson, the second round's not going to be a cakewalk. Could be, Maybe a guy like Taylor Fritz in in the third round. I don't know. RBA's in there. Batista Agu. This is an interesting section because you've got Query, who's unseated, who has had a terrible year as well. Anderson plays Ryan Harrison in the first round. Rublev's over here. There's a lot of young players, and I, and we all expect Anderson probably based on consistency to to win this section. But if he slips up, I think it's fair game for about seven eight other guys. 
Oh yeah, for sure, man. Like I think Zverev could beat Fritz, or Fritz, you know that could go either way. Watch out for Istomin just because he <laughs> yeah. had to play in that final. Had to play in that final in Winston, man. Anytime you play the week before a tournament and you make a deep run, it's like always just a little like red flag, just because like you got to turn around now after playing five matches last week and come in and be prepared to play seven potentially in the next two weeks. So you know, I don't know. We could be upset alert there, but you never know. Bautista Goot's pretty steady and pretty boring, so he probably, he might come through there. Yeah, or Shapovalov too. Again, can always play and 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 slug it out with anybody in this section. So we'll see what happens there. Brett Connors, Money Mitch effect. Let's go on to U.S. Open 2018, the third section of the men's draw, the Delpo section. He gets Donald Young in the first round. The highest remaining seed in this section is Sissipas, which would be a great fourth round matchup. But I got to say about Delpo, we're both big fans. I know you've followed his career from basically start till now. It's no, it's not hyperbole to say this is some of the best tennis of his career. And I will be the first to say maybe the most fit he's been. It took him a while. It took him probably two full years to get to this point after that run two U.S. Opens ago. But I look at him as a guy that can win a Grand Slam now. Yeah, man, for sure. Like, Delpo's comeback is super gratifying as a Delpo fan, <laughs> just because you know how, like, kind of a raw deal he got with those injuries and the potential he had after he won in 09. And to see him battle and keep fighting and come all the way back and go through having mm-hmm. only this cheesy little slice backhand, and now he comes over it more and he trusts it more. It's really cool to see his growth and then just to see him be rewarded with some tournament wins and like a top three seed. You know, I think it's the highest seed he's ever been. And yeah, man, I think it'd be interesting if it like Murray, if it was like Murray and him in the third round. Yeah, I was going to ask you, do you think Murray even gets to the third round? And, and I and I hate saying this, but we're at that point now with Murray where we don't know what is left in the tank, what health wise he's looking at, and no, there are no automatic wins. I think it's a fair statement to say because he's struggled getting back into playing shape. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I don't think it's like a given he gets to the third round, but like, I wouldn't bet against him. I mean, he would get Duckworth to get either Lopez or Verdasco. Yeah, what an old matchup that is. <laughs> Lopez versus yeah, Verdasco. So really, yeah, he wouldn't be losing any like age difference there. And Lopez is a serving volleyer, so the points could be quick. I mean, he'd almost want Lopez to win there, so mm-hmm. he could get a little quicker, a little quicker outcome of the points. So. I don't know. I think it'd be cool if he made a little run and, you know, at least got to the third round and then him and Delpo went at it. Um, yeah. George is in that side of the draw. George Sissipas could be a heck of a matchup if we see that. What would that be, round three? That's another one that could yeah. be just electric. George is a guy, he's a gamer. I mean, we got to say that he can lose early. We've all seen it. But he gets up, and he gets up to play these young guys, too. <laughs> Yeah, man, George is, is uh, interesting because early on you thought he was maybe just a clay quarter. He didn't have that great a serve, but he could grind out from the baseline. It seems like he's kind of gotten a little bigger on the serve, a little bigger on his shots, a little more aggressive. So he's he won Hala, which was interesting. You didn't think he would win a, a tournament on grass, you know. But um, and he did that showing you that he had a little all-court game. And, uh, yeah, him and Tsitsipas would be cool because they're both young guys and they, they have kind of different styles, one's a – you know, one-handed backhand, the other two. That would be really cool. If we had Murray, Delpo, and then Tipsy Potts, George there, uh, I wouldn't complain. No, I wouldn't either. George taking out Zverev in last year's U.S. Open in the second round. And Tsitsipas, who's never even won a Grand Slam match at the U.S. Open, 
be cool if he got to play Delpo in the fourth, and who knows. But I think this will be a really fun section as well. I'm kind of feeling the draw so far this year. It's Sometimes it can be kind of boring, and it goes according to plan. I think this could be a little unpredictable early. Looking, though, at section four, that is the Dimitrov section, the eight seed. He gets Stan in the first round. That's that's the one we were talking about. Isner's the 11 seed. He gets the college player, Bradley Klon. There's some other notable names in here, but not as strong as the other ones. You do have Milos at that 25 seed lurking. We're all eyes in this one are looking at Stan and Grigor because it does open up a little bit, uh, at least till you get to that Milos point. But I'm seeing them again in a Grand Slam play each other. They're just destined to see who is, is going to finally get maybe back to the top because Grigor's been struggling for a very long time now. Yeah, he has. Um, Isner's there. I mean, this should be Isner's draw to kind of take a little bit. I think while Rinka and Dimitrov could play like a long match and whoever comes out of there, it's going to be tough to make a deep run. You know, it might take a little bit too much for a first round. Brownich is there. He might be there to be able to pick off whoever's tired. And then maybe you get like an Aronich Isner <laughs> matchup. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah, exciting. But I mean, if I had my choice, I would hope that Stan would make like a run. You know, like I really like Stan. I really like that he's coming back and, and trying to make it, you know, back all the way to the top. And uh, he's fun to watch. And the fact that he won the Open a few years ago makes it really cool. So we'll see what happens. I mean, Dimitrov should. It's, but. Look, it, he has to win in three sets, right? Or, or four, kind of with cruising in the fourth? Because if it's a close match, if it goes five, he's going to fold mentally, right? Like, that's the book on Grigor Dimitrov. There's going to be four hands, and they're going to be in the net. I mean, it's just going to happen, dude. <laughs> like, I don't know. He's such a front. I feel so bad for his coach, man. Like, he's got to be such a tough guy to coach because he has so much athleticism, so much game. He can hit all the shots, and he's really limber, and he can slide and all that stuff. And he just, in these moments, he just doesn't, you know, just doesn't come through. So, you know, we'll see. That's why I think Stan has a shot, because Stan is, like, probably stronger mentally and has proven it so many more times. So I hope Stan can make a run. I hope so, too. Uh, section 5 is the other one to look at now, with Chilich as the 7th seed on the top of the draw. Francis Tiafo's in this in this section. David Gofan, the 10 seed, who's quietly playing a little bit better. You have some interesting names in here. Demon Hour, the young Australian kid as well. But I, you know what? Chilich should routinely go through this, right? Like his this surface, he's just always there. Maybe Gofan gives him a match in the fourth round. Tiafo is coming on, but I just don't think he's at that level. This one seems kind of routine to me. I don't know about you. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I feel like Chilich could win the tournament just because he always is kind of there. He's always around, like we talked about. I like Dimenauer. I think he's fun to watch. Like, he kind of has that little bit of that Hewitt in him. I know works with him a lot. I mean, I think Tiafo could could be tough, but also Tiafo gets Manorino in the first round. Yeah. It's not like that's an easy. Manorino's kind of a funky game. It's tough to adapt and play against. And we'll have to see how Tiafo, you know, can do against that. So yeah, besides the that, would be pretty cool though if he played in the second round. If yeah. those two played in the second round, that'd be kind of fun to watch. Yeah, some of that next gen stuff, and uh, yeah, go fan depends. Like you never know. Like he's kind of banged up sometimes, and you know. But like I like him. I like watching him play. I always say go fans like a little bit like the modern Ferrer, where like he's so tough, he's so good off both sides, but he can never kind of crack through that quarterfinal at a Grand Slam like level. Maybe, maybe a semi here and there. Let's look at section six now. It's the Zverev one, Brett, and 
But we're still waiting. We're still waiting for this guy to break through in a Grand Slam. Is this finally when it happens? I mean, just looking at this section, Nishikori would be waiting for him, or Diego Schwartzman, in the fourth round. To get there, the the only seed he would play would be Krajnovic, who made the Paris final somehow last year. I just don't know how many more excuses. Maybe Cole Schreiber can upset him, but this is getting to be a little ridiculous that he hasn't made a deep run in a Grand Slam yet. Yeah, I mean, looking at his draw, his draw like is kind of pretty weak until he gets to the third round. Whatever got Montfiz is, is in round. here too. Montfiz, I don't know what kind of shape he's in, but he's working as well on the other side of this to get to the fourth round. Yeah, I mean, love Montfiz, man. I think maybe Montfiz Schwartzman would be fun in the third round if he could get there. Anisha Corey Schwartzman could be interesting. But, yeah, that bottom part is Vera should come through there. But the thing is, I guess you technically can say he could lose to all those guys a little bit just because he has in some slams before. So he seems like he should be better now. Isn't he working with – is he working with Lindell or what's yeah, going I'm, on there? Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up. Wendell's on the team, hired as a coach. Now I think he works with some other coaches. But that that is either going to work out well or I think end very shortly <laughs> because – I don't think Lendl will be around long if it's not working. Just put it that way. I yeah. I think it's great for the temperament because that's where it seems to Zverev has a little of kind of it's kind of similar to when Joker was coming up where there are these mental moments in tight matches when Joker was young where Zverev just kind of blows up a little bit. So I think that's where Lendl needs to get to him is to not just have a breakdown out there. Yeah, and also to just always like realize that you're probably like the next big thing dude like you have all the tools just let the tools like play out kind of like you know i think the cool thing about lindo being involved is when he does something you know he probably really cares about it because he doesn't hang around the tennis like a lot of the guys do mm-hmm. so it's like if he's doing something he must really think it's a good thing and believe in it or he would just probably be, be golfing or hanging with his family somewhere else yeah he's, um, he's investing in it because he, he thinks that zverev is worth the investment yeah yeah, and so it's probably going to be a very immediate, um, you know, the outcome of this tournament will dictate, like, their future probably. Like, if he makes the semis or the finals or wins, like, they'll probably be coaching. He'll coach him for two years or three years or something. But maybe if he tanks out early, like, who knows? Maybe they stop working or they, you know, they just try for a temporary basis or whatever. But, I mean, I like Zverev. I kind of feel like he needs to make a run, and the U.S. Open seems like a place where he would do it. Like, hard courts. He's pretty good on hard courts, man, and... Uh, Eventually, he's going to break through, so we'll see. It's going to be interesting. Final two sections of the men's draw, Money Mitch Effect, Brett Connors breaking down the U.S. Open, Section 7. Man, I, I am really trying to find somebody other than Djokovic to win this section, Brett, but I'm struggling. <laughs> maybe Gasquet, Karina Busta, I, I tried. It's his section. This is maybe the easiest one of all of them. Yeah. I guess so, yeah. I mean, Gasquet's there, who's made the semis here before. Puy's made, I think, like the fourth round or the quarters. But Puy's kind of been, like, weird lately. He's yeah. been a little inconsistent. Really awesome. Gasquet's been starting to get a little older. Karina Busta, kind of pretty pesky. Like, somehow the Spaniard is really good on hard courts, kind of mixes uh, goes a monkey wrench into that uh, cliche of only being able to play on the clay, but... Yeah, I mean, Joker, Busta would be cool just because Busta made the semis here last year. You know, it would be interesting to see Joker have to play him. But, yeah, this is Joker's draw. 
Yeah, Puy's the, uh, a disappointing one. He's been off. He beat Nadal a couple U.S. Opens ago and has not really been able to follow that up or parlay that into consistent success. So, yeah, I, I think this will be this will be light work, and they'll get Djokovic to another U.S. Open quarterfinal, which will, as we know, be very interesting. The final section. And then don't don't forget, don't forget the throwback uh, the throwback matchup of the draw. Baghdad is huh? used. <laughs> yeah. Taking it wow. back a decade or so. Baghdad is used name. We got we got Feliciano Lopez Verdasco. Yeah, there there's some retro matchups here for the old timers. Yeah. For the old Those fans. are kind of fun. Those sprinkled in the first second round keep those early rounds a little like, you know, more fun cuz sometimes with the 32 seeds it can get a little boring. So those those matchups are are key. They certainly are. Last section, Rogers Roger Federer's section. Kyrgios, we mentioned, the 30 seed, could play him in the third round. Fognini plays Michael Moe, young American kid with a lot of potential it would look like there. That's a first-round matchup. Chung's in this in this section as well. Do you think Kyrgios is going to get to the third round? I'll start there because I know it looks easy, but nothing's easy with this guy. Yeah, like that's the thing. It doesn't doesn't matter how easy it looks. Like Does he, does he care? Is he interested? Um, I mean, Al body should be, he should be able to like serve him off the court a little bit, use his big shots. And if he gets hey bear, um, he's kind of just a serving volleyer. He should be able to figure out a way to win that. It just depends if he cares, man. I mean, I would love to see Federer him in the third round pair Federer would be kind of fun in the second, just because Paris, such a funny guy, such a funny character. Um, but yeah, I mean, every, if, if it goes fed, Kyrgios in the third round and then eventually fed Djokovic what would it be the quarters yeah that would that would be a pretty fun little section to watch it would it would I think Fognini Mo first round will be fun to watch as well and you'll see where Chung goes in this as well semi-finalist at a Grand Slam this year yeah he's been a disappointment man mm-hmm. like I was a big Chung guy like early on when he was coming up and then seeing him do so well in Australia was so much fun and boy, has he been one of those guys where he gets like the success and then like you don't hear from him for like six months, you know, and he has an injury or he does, you know, starts doing a bunch of photo shoots and sponsorship deals and all this stuff. And they start, you know, maybe not paying as much attention to the tennis. So I'd like to see him kind of pull it back together and maybe, you know, make the third or fourth round here. Be fun. All right, Brett, pick time. We have to get to a final four and then a champion. But. Maybe it's like a final five because that fourth one is going to be who do you have coming out of the final quarter. So I'm interested to hear your picks. How will the U.S. Open be one on the men's side? All right. I'll start on the bottom just because that's where I'm at. I think, um, I think it should be Fed and Joker. Mm-hmm. I think just because even if Kyrgios gets there, like Fed's smart, he'll be able to figure out a way to exploit Kyrgios' like, you know, personality in some way. And then I think up top it would be really cool if it was Vera of Chilich in the uh, quarters. Okay. Just because two big guys, big serves. Um, I think Zverev will beat Chilich. Okay, Zverev gets and his first think, semi. All right. Yeah, I think time, man. Like. Oh, it's been past Chil- time. But that being said, I still think Chilich has a chance to win the tournament. It's like funny. <laughs> I don't know why. But I think Djokovic will beat Fed, and then we're going to get Djokovic-Zverev. I think that would be a great matchup just because I think those guys practice together a lot. I know they travel a little bit together. 
I think Djokovic will probably get him. I don't think Zverev's going to have enough to make a semi and, and then a final. I think uh, the semi will probably be a lot for him, so mm-hmm. let's let him take that baby step first. And then, uh, you know, up top, I don't know. I think, I, I mean, I like Nadal, man. I like Nadal up top. I guess Anderson. I guess. That's just so boring, but it's like a rematch of last year. I think Nadal will get him there. Okay. And then on the bottom, who we got? Isner. Oh, damn, Isner. Uh, it might be Isner's time, dude. Wow. Quarter time. Okay. I'll say, yeah, I'll say Isner, Nadal. All right, is that who we play? And then you got to get know. Delpo or Delpo then? Yeah, yeah, Delpo. Exactly. Yep. And then I think Delpo gets Nadal. Okay. And then. So who would he play? I'm sorry. Delpo Nadal to get to the final to play Djokovic in your bracket? Yeah, exactly. I think Djokovic is going to win the tournament. Okay. Does Delpo get Nadal in the semis? Yeah. He gets him. Okay. Yep. All right. I'm going to go. I'll say, unfortunately, yeah, I do agree. I think Joker beats Fed in that quarterfinal matchup. I think Chilich over Zverev. I'm going to pick him to win that one just because i got to believe it when I see it with Zverev. Nadal Delpo in the semis as well. I do think Delpo gets Nadal. Finally. He's so close this year and so many times, especially that Wimbledon match. I think Joker gets past Chilich. I'm making that pick, Brad. I'm picking Delpo to win the Grand Slam nine years after his only Grand Slam title. I think it's going to happen. I have a feeling about it. I have a feeling about it. That Wimbledon match, he was right there with Rafa. He has a favorable draw, relatively speaking. I think he can do it. I'm just, uh, I just have, a, I just have an, a hunch. I'll say that I think he can do it. So, I want to see it happen. I think it'd be exciting. But those are my picks. Yeah, I definitely think. I mean, if he plays Nadal in the semis, the quality of that match in uh, at Wimbledon, I feel like it would. He probably benefit a little bit from it being on hard courts just because it helps his movement. You know, like the grass, he's a big guy. It's tough for him to get down a little bit. But on the hard courts, it would bounce up a little higher. So maybe that would help him out. But, yeah, man, I would love to see Delpo win. I mean, I think that would be great for the game. Fun to see him do that. Be another guy to win a Grand Slam, something different as well. All right, let's talk about the women's game for a little bit as well. Money Mitch Effect. Wait, wait. One one thing before we go on. Let's just say that if someone in their teens or 20s doesn't win the U.S. Open. Yeah, I know. I know there will what you're be no say. one, <laughs> no one in their teens or twenties will have a grand slam after the end of the month <laughs> because Chilich and Delpo turn thirty. That is got to be one of the craziest stats I've ever heard. I don't know why. Knew, more yeah. attention. <laughs> well, we know that only Nadal, Sampras, and Ken Rosewall have have won Grand Slams in their teens, 20s, and 30s, and now we're at a point where we'll have nobody in their teens and 20s. <laughs> yeah. I don't... <laughs> teens is... I, I get teens now. Like, you know, it's it's becoming an older game. The tour is just comparatively getting older. Okay, you're not ready to win a Grand Slam before 20. But in your 20s, come it's like, come on, dude. you got to win one now. Well, it's like... It's, imagine saying that in football or basketball or baseball that... None of the guys in the 20s are as good as the guys in the 30s. Like yeah. the, you know what I mean? No one in their 20s is as good as anyone in their 30s. Like, it's just, it's pretty crazy, you know? It's incredible. Oh, man. <laughs> Makes me a little more optimistic, I'll say, about the next generation. We can get 
you know, clear the, the lost generation out and get to the next guys, but we'll see. All right, women's side, I, I want to bring up a couple points, and then we'll just run through the draw real quickly. But we're at this point again. U.S. Open, betting favorite, Serena Williams, 6-1. to one. Halep's 13-2. Oh, yeah. Kerber's 8-1. to one. Sloan Stevens is 9-1. to one. Then the drop-off happens with Kvitova, 16, Muguruzu, and Muguruzu, Madison Keys, and Svitolina, all 20-1. to one. The, I, I, Serena did make the Wimbledon final, more power to her, but I've made the point that the draw really opened up for her. She hasn't really had that signature win yet. I don't understand why she's the betting favorite other than her name, Serena Williams. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of that thing with like with Tiger. Even when Tiger wasn't doing that great, he's almost always the betting favorite just because that's kind of the most known player. So that gets the most money probably in Vegas. Um, but you never know. You can't bet against Serena, especially with the inconsistency of the women's game. Like, Halep's been the most consistent. I think, you know, she's played a lot of tennis lately. I don't know. I think, to me, Sloan's almost yeah. the best player in the world. And I think it's the be. best bet, too. 9-10 to 1 on the one or second best player right now? Yeah. And I just, you know, it's all about how much he cares and how much he can handle being the defending champ. That would be the only thing that would be like, you know how sometimes it's too much to take all the interview questions coming in and all that stuff. And then heavy, you know, heavy is the head that wears the crown kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But like that being said, I would almost take Sloan over everyone head to head, like most matches, maybe except for Halep because she knows how to beat her a little bit. But, I don't know. Yeah, Muguruza at 18-1, to 1, she's so inconsistent, but she's built to win Grand Slams. I mean, that's a decent bet. Kiki Burton somehow won in Cincinnati, which was, like, pretty surprising. Sabalenka so. won, Sabalenka won um, in New Haven. She's 30-1, to 1, so I don't yeah. know. Yeah, she played, which, you know, with Steve Johnson playing in the final of that tournament, it can tire you out, but she is, what, 19 or 20 years old, so... It may be a little more youthful there. The top section of the draw with Halep in it also has Serena Williams. Could play Venus in the third round, but Venus has her hands full with your girl Koozie in round one in a very, very interesting over-30 matchup as well. Another retro matchup we could have seen 10, 12 years ago on tour. I, I like this section for Halep. I think Serena will probably get to the fourth round. And then bow out to Simona Halep. I think that's a reasonable expectation and a reasonable result for her at this Grand Slam. I think Halep's just the more consistent, probably the most consistent player in the world right now. Yeah, I don't know. I think if Hal- if Serena can get through the first couple rounds and get Hal- and Halep can get through the first couple rounds, Halep usually isn't that great in, in New York. Um, traditionally, I think she's made. Did she make a semi here maybe once? But I think maybe just a once. quarter. She lost I don't know. in the first round last year to Sharapova in that in that. You know, exciting matchup, but I Kuzi yeah. could make a run. I know I'm not. I'm not trying to just get you going, but she could definitely <laughs> make a run. She's looking better. She's risen from the dead. I thought her career was dwindling, and with this section and and not really. I mean, Pavlyuchenko is in there as well, but I think I think Kuzi's got a chance to to get through that Williams sister section. We just yeah, don't man. know what I mean, Serena you know, looks. We just don't know what Serena's going to look like as this tournament wears yeah. on. If she plays tough match after tough match. Yeah, I mean, you know, I love me some koozie, so I would never bet against her. That's a little tough draw to have to go Venus and then potentially Serena in the third round. But I think, I don't know, man. I, I look at it like this. Serena played the French. What did she make, like the fourth round or something, or the quarters? Fourth and had round, to bow out. out, yeah. Out. Then she makes the finals at Wimbledon. 
you know what I mean? Like she's uh, trending like up and if she's been working at it and, you know, applying herself since Wimbledon, she's gotten better. You know what I mean? Like maybe her draw isn't as easy here as it was in Wimbledon, but it's tough to bet against her. And Halep can get in those situations where the crowd, you know, gets in her head or something happens and the crowd will be for Serena in that matchup if it happens. So I think Serena could come through that section, man. It's it's must-see TV, that's for sure. That second section you mentioned, Muguruza, Brett, this is pretty tough for her. Not only is she playing inconsistent tennis, her ranking dropped all the way down to the 12th seed, but she could get Barty, Ash Barty, in the third round, who's surprisingly one of the best movers uh, on tour. Very athletic. You <laughs> wouldn't know it, obviously. But this also has Pliskova, who's been up and down. This has Sakari, the 32 seed, the other, the other Greek phenom uh, on the tennis tour on the women's side. I, I'm just saying Muguruza, I know Pliskova's not a sure thing either, but the way she's playing, the way her body's not holding up, I, I don't really expect big things this tournament. Yeah, I mean, she would eventually have to play either Serena or Halep, so like it, that's a tough draw to have in a quarter. But I think this little section right here, I think it just she's someone who needs to get through the first round or two. Yeah. You know, like she's somebody that picks up the momentum as the tournament goes on too, so... If she can get by those first couple rounds and what, she maybe gets Barty in the third, she should be able to beat Barty. I mean, Barty's solid, though, but Muga's better. And then Pushkova, so up and down. It's like she's still living off her her final or whatever it was here like three years yeah. ago. So, I don't know. I would not I would have to say Mugu there. I would take Mugu if I had to. I'd say Mugu versus Serena in, in that quarter. Is there anybody in that third section, the Sloan section, that could challenge her? Uh, knowing that it has wild card Victoria Azarenka, who's been not really coming back at the pace she would like. Elise Mertens is the 15th seed. The names don't really appear to be there. Strakova, it's like, uh, maybe, but it seems like routine work for a player as good and as confident right now as Sloane Stevens. Yeah, I mean, if you just look at the surface of it, I think you'd have to say Sloane. But it just depends so much how she handles it, you know. Like I think we'll know by the end of the first round, like how she does, because I think she's either going to maybe lose early or like make a deep run. You know, I don't think it's going to be a third or fourth round like loss. I think if she can handle it early, then she'll be good like later on. You know, so I I would have to say Sloan, but I'm going to like wait to see after first round how good she looks and how confident she is before I say if she's going to win it again or something like that. Yeah, that's true. I mean, she does kind of have to rev up a little bit in these Grand Slams. And, and even last year in her U.S. Open run, it wasn't cake. It wasn't just easy hit arounds. It was a lot of long matchups and a lot of three sets uh, to get there. Yeah. Still, still, still chatting with Brett Connors on the Money Mitch Effect about the women's U.S. Open draw. That fourth section has Fidelina, has Julia Gurgis, the seven and nine seeds respectively. Ryberakova is in this section. Svetostova. It's Fidelina, Brett. I want to focus on her because are we at a point now, maybe much like it was a couple years ago with Grigor Dimitrov and some of these names where you got to question if she can win a big match? Because we've seen it time and time again where she goes up against someone on her level or a little seed ahead of her, and she just falters. Yeah, man. Like I was kind of on the bandwagon with her for a little while, but I faded on that lately just because she does let you down. Like, I, she's never, like, you, you see the CD next to her name, seven, you're like, oh, she's definite in the quarters or, you know, or whatever, in the fourth round. But I don't think that. Like, I think even, like, second round Radwanska, 
You know what I mean? Like she's pesky. <laughs> she knows. She knows how to like exploit someone like Svitolina's like uh, flaws and, and and a little bit of her insecurities in these grand slams or whatever. So I don't know, man. Like I want to like think that she because she does well once she gets into a final. She has like some ridiculously crazy twelve and two overall final record. But when she doesn't make a final, like her tournament results are not that good. I just can't believe that Gurgis is a nine seed. I think that's the most shocking thing I've learned today. <laughs> the U.S. Open, she's yeah. the number nine seed. Svitolina, yeah, the, the the game is there, but something, maybe it's between the ears. Maybe it's just, yeah, maybe it's getting to that final where she can't break through that quarterfinal or, or fourth-round wall. Redwanska just yeah. floating around. She'll she'll make life miserable for her. She'll just keep getting stuff back in play and extend points and, and see how for tough sure. Svitolina is mentally. Um, I don't know. If that, if that happens, I mean, I'll check the number on that, and if Brad Wants is a good number. It's like a solid value bet, but I think it's a pretty good first round match too. The Vekic Sevastova. Yeah, I mean Vekic better. Vekic actually played kind of solid. Like didn't she make like a final of a tournament or something? And Sevastova's the 19th seed, you know whatever that means. But that's kind of a big, you know, decent little first round match on the women's side. Yeah, Vekic lost in DC to to Kuzi in that final, uh, but it was I think her uh, first final of that's her career. Right. That bottom section, uh, that bottom section has another one of your favorite up and down players. Very common theme, I think, on the WTA tour. Ostapenko, and Ostapenko's first round matchup is Petkovic. So you have those two playing yeah. in the first round. You have Garcia playing Kant in the first round. I, there, there could be some upsets here. Yeah, well, there's definitely been this section here has like three or four. Sharapova's in this section as a twenty two seed. As far as the borrow at they, thirty, uh, th- th- this they, they, this could be they, unpredictable. Yeah, like at the top, Garcia Conta. That's like they're almost like they could. Conta could almost be the sixth seed. Sometimes <laughs> you think, you know what I mean? Like yeah. the inconsistency. And then Gibbs Navarro, Gibbs, like you know, qualified Sharapova. They gave Sharapova Patty Schneider, who's like seventy <laughs> years old. I dude. can't believe she. That's another one. I can't believe <laughs> she's still playing <laughs> tennis. She's still playing, man. She must have qualified, so good for her. But, I mean, if Sharapova can't come through that little area, don't know. Ostapinko, who I really like and uh, who I think is fun and has a good personality and big game, looks a bit out of shape lately, just mm-hmm. to put it honest. Like, I don't know if she's, like, if she's been hurt or what's going on there, but she looks like she's maybe not, not in the best shape. So I don't know if I would trust her to go deep. Petkovic could, could beat her in the first round. Had a decent Wimbledon, but loses to eventual champion uh, Angie Kerber and uh, wasn't able to keep going. Kerber is in that next section, the sixth section, with Madison Keys also there. Kerber the four seed, Keys the 14 seed. You have Coco Vandeweghe the 24 seed, Sibokova the 29 seed. Brett Keys and Coco, that was a semifinal matchup last year. They could meet in the third round, could, depending on what happens. But a lot of points to defend, a lot of points are going to fall off for one or both of them. And it has not been pretty years for each. So I'd say what a difference a year makes. That's what stands out to me maybe even more than Kerber is how Keys and Coco after this run to the semis and finals have just fallen off this year. Yeah, man. I don't know. That's a little bit of that, like, success syndrome stuff, man. I don't know. There's so many examples of it around the game. And, like, every time you point to one of them, it's further confirmation of why the older guys are able to hang around. Because, like, they don't do that. You know what I mean? Like, Djokovic wins since he, and he's not going to, like, 
celebrate it and not do well now at the U.S. Open. You know, he's going to, like, pull it together and be ready to go again. So, I don't know. It's a bummer because we had all four U.S. Open uh, semifinalists from the U.S. So that was really cool. I don't know what's going on with those with those two, man. They have such big game. They hit the ball so hard and, like, big serves. You think they'd be able to just get to the fourth round every slam just off of, like, their serve almost. But we'll see what's up. Kerber seems to be back, obviously, and, you know, we'll see what happens. Sure. My girl, Laura Siegman, versus <laughs> Osaka for <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's another one too, Laura Siegman. We'll we'll definitely get to her in a second, but I do want to point out that Kerber, three-time Grand Slam champ, has won the U.S. Open before. Seemingly loves flying under the radar. It's almost like when she's in this range of like a four-five seed, not expected to be the best. That's when she does her best. But when we hype her up a little bit, that's when the stumbles come to be. But We'll see, man. That seventh section that you alluded to has Osaka and Siegman in the first round. We'll have to set our calendars for that. But Petra Kvitova, the five seed. Kazakina, the 11. Sabalenka's in this one. It's a youth movement section. And uh, I think even... Bill Bouchard. (laughs) Yeah. No, that's that's an interesting one, too. We'll touch on that, too. But Osaka, Kazakina, even Kvitova, Sabalenka... Another quarter, another section where I could see four or five potential quarterfinalists in it. For sure, I mean Osaka's another one of those like kind of popped up, had success, won Indian Wells somehow, right? Yeah, and then beat Kazakina in the much... final. Yeah, I like Kazakina's game. She's kind of fun to watch. She's kind of like got some different shots and she's got some ground strokes and not the best serve, but. She's fun to watch, a little inconsistent, but it'd be nice if she could make a run. Osaka, you think, has the game to, like, break through and kind of be a top 10 player, you know? And she's been hovering in that, like, 20 or whatever range it is she's at now. But I think that she's got the game and kind of the personality, and she's, you know, fun to, like, she has a per- like she's just a little different. There's something a little different about her, so, like, she's intriguing, you know? You want to see her do, do well and, and get a little more attention, so... I like Sabalenka to make a run. Kvitova's going to have her hands full. She hasn't normally played well in North America, so we'll see if that changes. But, yeah, I, I think Osaka-Kazakina could be a banger of a matchup as well. And Zvonareva's still playing. She had to qualify, which is kind of another blast from the past. So she's in this yeah. section as well, former U.S. Open finalist from way back when. Yeah, at, at the bottom of the draw there, that thrilling <laughs> matchup of Sam Oster, former champ. <laughs> And former fi- two-time finalist Caroline Wozniacki. Yeah, well, I'm glad we saved the be- we saved the worst section for last. We saved the annual. This is where an unseated court the Wozniacki section of this is usually where an unseated quarterfinalist comes from. But yeah. man, there's uh, Bouchard is playing the worst player in the tournament. Did you know that? <laughs> She's playing this girl, and no disrespect to her, I had to look her up. Harmony Tan is her name. She's French. She's like 340 in the world got a wild card has like very I don't even know if she's won a match on the main level tour this season so must be nice to be Jeannie Bouchard but <laughs> that's probably like that's like the US Open feeling some guilt it's probably part of the right? like payment that they gave her they're like look every time you qualify for the US Open we'll give you the worst player in the field I have to I have and- to uh, yeah <laughs> that's a really good point <laughs> But I want to I want to point this out too, just because we we keep an eye on a lot of these lines, and occasionally you'll see some big matchups where it's like you know Serena in her prime would be a huge favorite, Nadal 
where you'll see the individual matchups that we monitor. Do you know what the matchup is for this? Bouchard, who's like, what, 140th in the world, somewhere around there? She's a minus 2,000 favorite in this matchup. (laughs) (laughs) That almost makes me want to put some money on Tan, dude. (laughs) Over anybody. Over me or you. I mean, Jesus. I'm definitely putting a dollar on Tan or something just for fun. Just just why not, right? It's just, it's incredible. But I, Burton's winning. Cincinnati is going to give her confidence in this section. Wozniacki can win or lose with the best of them. I'm I'm just predicting chaos. This could be just like let's pick a name here, Tomjanovich. Maybe she makes the quarterfinals or Kontovic. Actually, that might be the one to go with. But I Van Utvank, my man, <laughs> loving it. Like, we're keeping it going. She's funny, man. She's kind of pesky though. She could make like a little. She could upset somebody here or there. But yeah, maybe Kontovic, Sinyakova. I really like Sinyakova. That could be a tough little first-round match. She's become, like, somehow one of the best doubles players in the world this year out of nowhere. Um, I mean, somehow like, Bouchard should do something there. That Like, she could beat Berzinescu, right? Like, she can upset one player. Um, Burton's, Burton's Wazi would be kind of a fun match because they're both, like, long, you know, rally grinders. But that's if everything plays out the way it should, and that never happens. So, yeah, we'll see. It'll be fun. All right, Brett. It's that time. Women's picks on the Money Mitch effect. I know you were a big Sloan yeah. fan going into what we thought of our odds, but is she going to win the tournament? How the semis and finals play out? What do you think? Um, I like Serena. Is it Serena versus Sloan? That would be the matchup, right? So Yeah, that would be a semifinal. Semi? It's crazy that, yeah, Sloan in help or Sloan and Serena in the semis. So you got Serena and Sloan in the semis. Hmm. Yeah, I think it's that would be dope, man. That would be uh, the past champ versus like the you know best all time or arguably the best whatever. And they played in the semifinal in Australia. Oh wait, quarter final, right? In Australia one year, I know they played a match for Sloan beat Serena. That was a really good match. Yeah, I don't know if it was quarters, kind of but yeah, yeah. It'd be fun to revisit that, but so I like that. And then I think Serena's gonna get through, man. I think Serena's gonna. I think Serena might just win this tournament. Who's on the other and side? On the bottom, on the bottom, I like Kerber, and um, I like Kerber. <laughs> I know, but you have to pick a semifinalist from the really tough section. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I guess tough. I have to say Serena versus Kerber, like a rematch. That was the Wimbledon final. So, but who gets to that other semi spot, section seven and eight? One of those two. We need a semifinal. Oh, Wazis. Wazis. Wazi um, or Section 7. Who would... Uh, Kvitova, Wazi, Kazakina, Siegerman. Siegerman. <laughs> no, it's not going to be Siegerman. It's yeah. going to be... It's not Wazi. It's going to be Wazi. Okay. And you got Serena over Kerber? Serena over Kerber. Wow, so they will have played in three Grand Slam finals then. With Kerber owning a 2-0 record. So if Kerber were to beat Serena in the U.S. Open final, I mean, my God. That's three finals, three different finals that she'd beaten her in. Could be pretty crazy. I just think, like, if, you know, because Serena's starting to get a little older. So, like, if this story's going to play out, like, she kind of has to win the U.S. Open or Australia, right? Because, you know, what if she's going to be 37 or 8? You know, I mean, obviously she can keep playing, but... 
she's kind of been trending better. Like it's been, and now it's been what, 18 months since she had the kid or, or 15 months or something. So her body's probably getting back to normal playing shape and, and all that stuff. So I don't know, man. I just think the inconsistency on the women's side is just going to leave it open for somebody who knows how to get through these matches, yeah. knows how to win in New York, knows how to like lose the first set and come back and win on these girls. And like, that's just what she does. Crowd's going to be in her favor. I do, I do the worry about playing on this surface as well. Maybe a little tougher draw, but if she's in that kind of shape to really go for all seven matches, we'll see. I'm going to say Halep Stevens in the semifinal. It's the recontinuation of that. I'm going to say on the other side, we'll go with... I'll say it'll be... Kerber versus Kazakina makes the semifinal. That'd be cool. Why not? I'll, so that'd be another. Yeah, I'll, I'll say I, I'm picking Halep to win the tournament. I think. Wow. Yeah, I, you know, ripping that Band-Aid. I, look, Wimbledon, everybody lost. So I know everybody did poor in the top 10 seeds. They all lost. So I think Halep winning at the French gives her. I think Halep beats. I'll say Kazakin in the final. Let's see a run from somebody unknown. And if and if that were to be the case, I might have to revisit that pick and, and just ride the hot hand there. But should be an exci- should be an exciting U.S. Open. That is also a fun fact. That is the best strategy, right? We can agree on that before we go. Whenever you're looking at betting on these tournaments, just ride the hot hand. Find somebody that's sure. winning matches and just ride it out. Yeah, I mean, yeah, like pick like early, pick a few matches. You know, pick a few. Don't have to put a lot on it. And then like the ones you win, the people you see getting hot early, just continue to ride them until they lose. All right, yeah. Well, that that was a great conversation, Brett. Appreciate you coming on. We made our picks, and uh, we also learned that Jeannie Bouchard's a minus two thousand favorite in an actual tennis match. <laughs> in a grand slam, dude. <laughs> in a grand slam. All right, Brett Connors. This was fun. We'll be catching up soon. Um, I gotta I gotta prep my uh, fantasy draft for the number one pick. I don't know if you heard. I got it. So. Oh, yeah, I heard that, dude. I heard that. Pretty controversial stuff I heard, uh, too. Maybe some conspiracies theories about it, but we'll talk about that another time. We will. We will. Brett Connors, thanks again for joining the Money Mitch Effect. <laughs> thanks, Money. Always a pleasure, man. That's it for this episode of the Money Mitch Effect. Huge thanks again to Brett Connors for breaking down both the men's and the women's draws of the U.S. Open. I'm excited for this tournament. It's underway right now, so everybody, take some time to watch it this year. Two weeks in New York City, not much better than that. We're getting ready for college football season, and I'm so excited about that. Pro football season is around the corner as well. We've made it through the dog days of summer. School's back in session, but so are some of our favorite sports. So I'm very excited, as I keep saying. This was the Money Mitch Effect. Thank you for listening. You can find us on SoundCloud, iTunes, and Google Play. Leave a review. Leave a rating. Subscribe. Also, check out the Money Mitch Effect Facebook page. You'll find some episodes there as well. This was 160 in the series. Big thanks to everybody for making this show what it is. Everyone else out there that's a part of this show, I am Mitch Michaels. Thank you for listening. This was the Money Mitch Effect. Keep enjoying sports and enjoy the U.S. Open.